Welcome to Tax Notes Talk, a podcast from Tax Notes, the leading source of tax news, information, and analysis. Welcome to the podcast. I'm David Stewart, Editor-in-Chief of Tax Notes Today International. This week, price adjustment. With governments looking to cut carbon emissions to fight off the worst effects of climate change, they face a dilemma on what to do about products imported from countries that aren't taking action. Enter the Carbon Border Adjustment Mechanism, a controversial solution to a tricky problem. Joining me now to talk more about this is Tax Notes Today International Chief Correspondent Amanda Athanasiu. Amanda, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. So let's start from the top. What is a carbon border adjustment mechanism? So broadly, these mechanisms are a way for governments that have implemented some sort of carbon pricing to protect their domestic economies and industries from competitiveness concerns that can arise when a carbon price is introduced and to preserve the environmental benefits that they sought to achieve with the carbon price in the first place. So when a carbon price is imposed in one country, carbon leakage, which is just the movement of emissions offshore, can occur as products from jurisdictions with less stringent environmental policies are now cheaper and more desirable. It can also occur because industries and producers with more carbon intensive operations are either going to move their activities to areas where carbon is less costly, or they just aren't going to invest in that country in the first place. So a carbon border adjustment mechanism is a way for governments to try to make sure that imports will face a carbon price that's equivalent to what domestic producers face. What that generally looks like is a a fee is applied to imports based on the product's embedded emissions with an offset for carbon prices that are paid in the country of origin. Now, let's take uh, one quick step back and talk about what sort of methods are they using to attach a price to carbon? Sure. So at the national level, there are two popular forms of carbon pricing. One is a carbon tax, so just a rate applied per metric ton of emissions. And the other is an emissions trading system, which is also known as cap and trade. And generally how that works is that there's an overall limit set for the maximum amount of emissions in the system. And facilities covered by the system get allowances for a certain amount of pollution that they can admit. And those facilities can either admit up to their limit or reduce their emissions and sell their surplus allowances to other firms. That's sort of generally how it works. Um, Of the two, the carbon taxes are generally considered to be easier to understand, easier to administer. They provide more price certainty and they raise revenue for governments, but they are often politically less popular than an ETS and they provide less control to administrations over how much pollution is continuing to be admitted. Now, what countries are currently exploring uh, CBAM? So besides the EU, which is the furthest along in its process, it's actually begun implementing its CBAM. Jurisdictions that have signaled that they're considering implementing one include Australia, which is in the middle of a review and consultation process on carbon leakage. Canada has consulted on a CBAM. The UK is considering one. Norway said this fall that it's considering whether to implement the EU's CBAM. Um, There have been proposals for legislation in the United States as well. So that's quite a few, but there are many more countries that have carbon pricing in place that are also probably at least thinking about how to manage carbon leakage and competitiveness risks as well. Um, In November, a European Commission official said that because of the EU's carbon pricing regime and their CBAM, many dozens of jurisdictions are now expressing interest in ETS systems and their own CBAMs. So we could see more proposals in the not-so-distant future. Support for this podcast is provided by... 
the Tax Attorney Recruiting Event. Are you looking to hire talented tax attorneys for your practice? Look no further than the Tax Attorney Recruiting Event, or TEAR, one of the largest tax attorney recruiting events in the country, which will be held virtually on Thursday, February 22, 2024. This event will bring more than 150 graduate students from top-ranked tax LLM programs at the University of California Irvine School of Law, Boston University School of Law, the University of Florida Levin College of Law, and Northwestern Pritzker School of Law, allowing them to interview for positions with tax employers. Through TEAR, employers will have the opportunity to pre-screen applications and select candidates with whom they wish to interview. Employers who wish to participate in TEAR should visit the-tare.com. That's the-tare.com. Now, since it's one of the larger jurisdictions that are dealing with the CBAM, could you first tell us about what are they doing to price carbon there? Sure. So the EU has had an operational emissions trading system in place since 2005. Estimates for the proportion of the region's harmful emissions that are covered by that system range right around 40%. And at the beginning of this year, a record price for allowances was reached at just over 100 euros per metric ton of carbon dioxide equivalent. Um, by the end of October, that had dropped to around 80 euros. There have been a number of reforms to the ETS just this year, including an increase in the ambition of the system in terms of reducing emissions in covered sectors. The goal is now a 62% reduction by 2030 instead of the previous 43%. Um, the reforms also addressed the planned gradual phase out of free allowances for sectors that are covered by the CBAM as the CBAM is gradually phased in. Where do things stand with the EU's CBAM? The recent reforms that I just mentioned included the establishment of the CBAM. That regulation came into force in May, and the system entered a transitional phase on October 1st, which will last quite a while through the end of 2025. In this first phase, importers of goods from non-EU countries will need to report embedded emissions in the products that they're bringing in that are covered by the CBAM. So aluminum, cement, electricity, fertilizers, hydrogen, iron and steel, um, but there won't be any amounts due this period. EU officials basically are looking at this period as a time to check the impact of the system without it actually having any impact. Uh, the first CBAM reports will be due for the fourth quarter of 2023, and the deadline during the transition phase is going to be one month after the end of each quarter. So the first one of those is coming up uh, January 31st, 2024. And once the system is fully launched in 2026, importers will need to surrender certificates corresponding to the embedded emissions and imported goods. The price of those certificates will be tied to the auction price of ETF allowances. And then, of course, carbon prices paid in the country of origin will also be part of the equation and will generally be deducted from the amount due. Do we have a sense of which countries might be on the receiving end of additional charges from the CBAM? Countries like China and the UK, um, Turkey, Russia, and the United States are actually among the top exporters of CBAM products to the EU, and they could therefore be considered among the most affected by the mechanism, but they aren't necessarily the hardest hit or the most vulnerable given that their economies aren't as heavily dependent on their EU CBAM exports as others. So when we're looking at countries that will be on the receiving end of this, it's useful to look at the share of a country's total exports that are exposed to the mechanism rather than overall trade volume. And when viewed through that lens, many of the affected countries are low income and developing countries, many of them in Africa. 
A report this year from the African Climate Foundation and the London School of Economics and Political Science estimated that the CBAM's effect on African countries as a share of GDP would be larger than in any other region since the EU is such an important export market for CBAM covered goods for the region and because it's more carbon intensive to produce those goods in Africa. So the disproportionate effects of the CBAM on certain countries have led to both optimism that the mechanism might encourage those countries to adopt their own carbon pricing mechanism and harness some of that extra revenue for their own administrations, but also complaints that it could widen the wealth gap, that it discriminates against countries least able to reduce harmful emissions, and that it goes against the common but differentiated responsibility principle referenced in the Paris Agreement. Support for this podcast is provided by the FRA Private Investment Fund Tax and Accounting Forum. The FRA Private Investment Fund Tax and Accounting Forum takes place December 6th and 7th in Miami. Stay ahead of the ever-changing financial landscape with expert insights on income sourcing, registered versus unregistered funds, and the future of state and local taxation. Ensure confident and compliant filing for your firm's success with the latest best practices to safeguard your funds from costly tax legislation misinterpretations. Join your peers at this one-of-a-kind comprehensive program that attracts tax and accounting firms, fund administrators, attorneys with fund clients, portfolio companies, and funds from around the country. To learn more about this Miami forum, visit fraconferences.com PIF. That's fraconferences.com PIF. Now, since this is a charge at the border, does CBAM have any implications for free trade? And and if so, is this something that the World Trade Organization is getting involved in? Well, that's a really good question. Trade without discrimination is one of the key principles of WTO agreements. And countries generally can't discriminate between trading partners with respect to like products by, for example, giving one country a favorable customs duty rate and not doing that for other WTO members. So that's the most favored nation rule. So the concern is that CBAMs could violate this non-discrimination principle. Now, most countries considering a CBAM have included disclaimers in their consultations and their drafts saying that the country is committed to their international trade obligations. And if they were to adopt a CBAM, it would have to be designed in compliance with WTO rules. But none have really been put to the test so far. Um, The EU, which is arguably the most likely to face a challenge, just because their measure is the farthest along, has maintained that its CBAM is not a tax, it's an environmental measure, and it targets goods rather than countries. But at the same time, they've acknowledged that the WTO may be called upon to put an end to this debate once and for all if the measure is challenged. So that's one where we'll have to wait and see. Has the U.S. taken a position on the proposals? It's sort of been an ongoing open issue in the United States. Over the last few years, there have been some signals that at least some policymakers might be willing to consider a CBAM in response to the growing popularity of the measures. In 2021, the U.S. Trade Representative made a broad statement that the Biden administration would consider a CBAM as part of its approach to reducing emissions. Um, There have been several bills introduced from U.S. lawmakers that have included some form of CBAM or precursor and even carbon taxes, but nothing really has gotten close to a finish line. Uh, It's become pretty clear that the U.S. is not going to have a domestic national carbon price anytime soon, but there have been some comments from those that are following this closely to the effect that 
support for some kind of responsive measure could grow as the EU-CBM has now begun its rollout. So this is another area to watch. All right. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of things to keep an eye on. Uh, Amanda, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. And now, coming attractions. Each week we highlight new and interesting commentary in our magazines. Joining me now is Acquisitions and Engagement Editor-in-Chief Paige Jones. Paige, what will you have for us? Thanks, Dave. In Tax Notes Federal, Stephen Tackney and Adriana Grimsley examine proposed regs that would classify employer-provided fixed indemnity health coverage as income replacement that should be taxed when paid to the insured employee. Marianne Kane and Daniel Moyer explain the tax and accounting implications of the proposed regulations concerning the repatriation of intellectual property to the U.S. In Tax Notes State, Walter Hellerstein and Andrew Appleby describe the emerging guidance regarding state taxation of transactions involving crypto assets. Rachel Chamberlain provides a look ahead at Kentucky's 2024 legislative session. In Tax Notes International, three EY practitioners identify 10 surprising possible outcomes of the application of the OECD's Pillar 2 initiative. Oliver Hoare provides a critical analysis of the European Commission's BFIT proposal. And finally, in featured analysis, Ryan Finley explains that Coca-Cola's prospects for success in its blocked income dispute with the IRS are bleak. That's it for this week. You can follow me online at taxstew, that's S-T-E-W, and be sure to follow at TaxNotes for all things tax. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for a future episode, you can email us at podcast at taxanalyst.org. And as always, if you like what we're doing here, please leave a rating or review wherever you download this podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Notes Talk is a production of Tax Notes. You can learn more about us by visiting www.taxnotes.com slash podcast. When major media wants the straight story, they turn to Tax Notes. Thank you for listening, and join us again for another edition of Tax Notes Talk. Tax Analyst Inc. does not provide tax advice or tax preparation services. Nothing in the podcast constitutes legal, accounting, or tax advice. A full disclaimer is included in the transcript.